Well, welcome back. Welcome anew. Welcome to the Further Faster podcast. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and I, of course, will be your host and your guide here for this next little piece on your voyage on this journey of life to do exactly what the name implies, and that is to help you go further faster in becoming wealthy. And around here, wealthy becomes or means to be healthy, happy, and financially abundant. And as always, I love to introduce you to my mentors, my teachers, my friends, and people that I have had the privilege of learning from and being around over several years. And today is absolutely no exception. My guest is Marvin Peak, And Marvin, as I'm going to share with you in just a little while, is a master in assisting people in lots of areas going further faster. So as usual, grab a pad and paper, something that you can write with because you're going to be sure to take some notes. You're going to want to take some notes to use this stuff in your life. And I'll be right back with my dear friend, Marvin Peake. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Joseph McClendon III. And if I have ever given you the impression or have, if I've ever implied that I know everything or that I don't need any more work or I did all of this stuff on my own, I sincerely apologize because that's absolutely not the case. I've had so many teachers and mentors and people that have shared their wisdom and given me the gift of their time that have helped me in my life, which in turn allows me to do what I'm doing even right now and share that with other people. And my guest today is absolutely one of those people that's been in my life. I don't even know how long I've known him. It's been more than a decade now, and we go way back. His name is Marvin Peake, and Marvin is an international speaker. He's a transformational strategist. He's an entrepreneur. He's a humanitarian. He's spoken to thousands and tens of thousands of people around the world. He's also a U.S. military veteran, having served in the FBI for over 10 years. And he's also recognized as the ambassador for peace with the Universal Peace Foundation. And he studied under prominent wisdom wise people such as Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Deepak Chopra, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Donnie Epstein, Master Co., Tony Robbins, and yours truly. He's been my dear friend for so long. He has a lifelong passion for uplifting humanity and ending world poverty. He's helping others master the science of success and live their life of fulfillment. He's got a brand new book called Out of the Tunnel that we're going to talk about here in just a little while. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Marvin Peak. Marvin, welcome to the Further Faster podcast. Joseph, thank you so much for having me, my friend. I really honor and appreciate you so very much. And you're so right. We've been in each other's lives for such a long time, and you've always been one of my greatest leaders, teachers, and guides. And I humble myself before you. Thank you again for having me on. It is my pleasure, and thank you for all that you do in serving, and also serving your country in that capacity, because I know that is no small feat in itself. Share with us a little bit, before we get into your book and about what you do, share with us a little bit about your journey, because I guess maybe that is some of the book, but share with us about your journey, kind of what brings you to where we are right now. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in uh, what is sometimes described as the hellhole of America, and I was in the hood, as we call it. I remember we were in, uh, in Australia in the Gold Coast, and I was talking about the hood. 
and you, <laughs> we were sharing the stage together, and the Australians didn't understand. What does he mean, hood? What's the hood? <laughs> you, had to explain, you had to explain what I meant by that. Um, and by my family, wonderful people, um, and they did the best that they could, but I grew up homeless. So I was out on the street and um, I, I learned and uh, was raised by uh, pimps and uh, gang leaders that uh, mm. we like to affectionately call community organizations. <laughs> <laughs> so hustlers and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just out there. And, you know, athletics was was my way of, of, of keeping my nose clean, so to speak, to stay on the straight and narrow, to be aligned. And most of the time, um, the, the, the leaders of our community that were engaged in their way of living, uh, they, they sort of left me alone. So I would find my way in libraries to go and listen to music and, and read books and, and uh, get lost in athletics and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I suffered some of the police brutality that we hear about, the, the unfortunate things that happens with, uh, with members of our community and, and law enforcement. Uh, I remember um, running to school one day really uh, late and the police pulled me over, slammed me on the ground, put the gun to the back of my head and said, where's the microphone? And I'm about uh, 12, 13 years old. And where's the microphone? And I'm just crying, me in the back like George Floyd. And there was an old lady that came out screaming, saying, he's just a baby. Let him go. Let him go. I go to school and uh, tell the teacher, shut up, sit down. You talk to the principal because that was a normal thing um, yeah, in our communities. Yeah. And uh, so you know, it, it had um, sort of an indelible mark um, uh, on my life, on my psyche and my subconscious. I had no idea that it would just be a few years later that I would wind up um, being in the military and um, uh, serving at the FBI. So I've had lived on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, along the way, uh, I learned from people and, and had experiences that exposed me to things that I wouldn't have ordinarily had when uh, I was growing up uh, in, in those um, uh, insufferable communities. Um, from there, um, I began to use the things that I read, the things that I was uh, um, um, learning and reading to develop a plan for my life, something that will allow me to get out of the conditions that I was in and those that were in around me. It was so difficult when you don't see anything promising outside of the conditions that you're in. Right, right. So, so, you know, Joseph, what I did was I started looking at um, public figures. And because I was so heavy into athletics, I looked at people like uh, Michael Jordan. And I would see this man on the court and how he would put his team on his back. He had this attitude that I refuse to lose. Now, he may not have been the, 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 the greatest shooter, the most athletic wasn't the fastest, the tallest. He didn't get all of the rebounds. But his determination, his drive, his will uh, inspired me so much because I was able to take what I saw and transmute it into my life's experience. How can I take my conditions, the things that I'm dealing with, and use that same determination and drive to win in life? And so it was years later when I met Michael Jordan in Paris 
And I shared that with him. And I asked him, and, and this is respect to, to uh, LeBron James, who just uh, broke the scoring record uh, last night. Right. Uh, yeah. How do you feel when you have so many people comparing other players to you? And he said to me, he said, you know, it doesn't bother me. I did what I needed to do in the time that I had. He said, so if they're doing well, let them have at it. But it does not bother me at all. And I said, well, it does to me. And he started laughing. And he, he, he said, why so? I said, because if I had to look at these players now as an example to get me out of the condition that I was in, I would still be back in the hood. <laughs> I would probably, I would probably make excuses and whine and cry. And then this individualism, the records has to be about me. I want everything to glorify me, who I am and what I've been able to accomplish. What that says to me, uh, Joseph, is, is that a part of my subconscious, there is the two greatest fears that we know about. I'm not good enough and I won't be loved. And when I don't feel that I'm not good enough and I'm not going to be loved and I'm not loved, then in my subconscious, I'm thinking that I have to prove myself to other people. Politicians will do that. I'm the best at this. No one can do it better than me. I'm the greatest. I'm the GOAT. See, anytime you have to tell somebody who you are, you know yourself, you really aren't it. That's right. So, <laughs> so I don't go around talking about I'm thank you for the introduction, but I don't go around talking about my accomplishments and things that I've done. But when the book comes out, there's going to be a lot of awe in people's faces to find out what I was able to do, what I was able to accomplish, because I learned to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so. Well, first off, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, a lot to unpack there. And before we get into the book, I want to ask you a couple questions because this is this has always intrigued me. I have my answers and I get uh, lots of different answers from other people. I love to ask this question. Um, many people come from humble beginnings and less than humble beginnings. I myself, like yourself, I was homeless at one point. So and one of the things that I like to ask, and I want to ask you, Marvin, is that what is the difference? What made you decide to read those books and look up to somebody like Michael Jordan and do something about it? Whereas all of those, he was available and all of those books were available to everybody else in your hood and everybody else around. But what is it that made you go, I'm going to do something about my life and make a difference? Whereas the, the majority of those others, many others. And, and right now it scares me because I look at the condition of a lot of the youth right now that, you know, now, you know, in the olden days, we didn't, we weren't able to just keep on scrolling and keep our, our attention on that. But now right. they do. But again, what is it that made you, what's the difference in you that made you, was there, was there a defining moment or was there something in your upbringing that made you go, I'm going to read, I'm going to look better, look for more. I'm going to, to achieve more. I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. Thank you, Joseph. I, you know, I didn't fit in. So I looked different than the other people that were around. Even though there were horrible conditions that we all were living in, my friends and my cousins, they had either mother, father, both, and sometimes grandma. Some people had foster parents. I was alone. 
So I had smelly clothes and, and no food. And I had to come up with, with, with a hustle. So part of my hustle, I would go and buy candy and go back to school and sell it for, you know, a thousand percent profit. <laughs> <laughs> so I became an entrepreneur out of necessity. And I was boxing. My, my, my grandfather's best friend uh, was a boxing coach. Mm. And he said, you know, if you're going to be out here on the street like this, I got to teach you to fight. So everybody thought they could fight in the hood. So they didn't know that I was training. So we used to do this thing called slap boxing <laughs> where for 50 cents. And Joseph, I would slap the hell out of people for 50 cents because I needed to eat that night. Right. There, there was no, there was no, you know, negotiating that or hoping that you would win. I had to smack the hell out of the people because I was <laughs> my cakes for, for the night. And so um, because I was different, I had, I, you know, I looked different. I, you know, I had these smelly clothes and things like that. So they would whisper and tease and laugh. And I knew I had to do something different because I am different. So I couldn't wear the designer clothes. A good friend of mine, Carl Kanai, you know, I, I, I talked with him. I said, Carl, when I was coming up, I wanted to wear your clothes so bad, but I couldn't afford any of that. And everybody had on FUBU and Carl Kanai, and they had some of the other European designers. So what I was able to do, Joseph, I was able to go and get an embroider and, and, and put my own name on my stuff. And I had to just separate myself from everything else because they had already separated me. So now I'm beginning to say, okay, now I'm going to read because I know there's more to me than this condition, this so-called reality. I began to see myself and see my future better than those conditions. And I instilled it in myself that I'm getting myself out of here. Listen, I'm no longer looking for acceptance. I now have to accept myself. This may be the reality today, but it will not be tomorrow. And just as a kid, I was determined. So, you know, the suffering, the pain, the struggle, it forced me to succeed. And I honor my mother uh, uh, this day. She, she just passed a, a, a few months ago. Sorry, and I yeah. thanked her because my mother did the best that she possibly could. Absolutely. If my mother had raised me under the conditions that she was in, I don't know if I would be here talking to you now because I, it put me in a place of being resilient, that drive. I did not have a choice. See, it was a matter of survival, a matter of whether I was going to eat, where I was going to sleep. And I learned how to make friends. I learned how to humble myself, keep my mouth quiet, learn as much as I possibly can and apply it to my own survival. So, Joseph, I used that pattern of survival when I became an adult, when I became more self-sufficient and independent. And I used that formula to succeed. I learned the difference between resistance and resilience. And I understood that, you know, we talk about when, we, when we're working out, man, we love that you have that resistance and you have right, to right. and push and push because it's building muscle. But I'd like us to consider that it's not necessarily resistance. It's a resilience that even though this right. weight is heavy and it's hard and I can feel the pain, I know that there's progress here if I just keep going. And when I know that there's progress, it's not really resistance. It's a resilience. So I shifted the thought of me going against resistance because what you go against 
cannot come to you. We're magnetism. We draw things to us. And when we can stand in our power, automatically, instinctively, things are coming to us. But when you're pushing, you're pushing things away. But resilience says that I will be in the midst of whatever these conditions are and I can make incremental progress, see it as progress, acknowledge it and celebrate myself for every move that I make. Continue to keep to get, uh, move forward. Realize that you're not where you were. You may not be where you want to be, but you're still moving forward. And I began to develop more and more strength. So when my friends were going out and partying and chasing girls and that sort of thing, the only time they could get me to hang with them is when we were going to a basketball court or playing football or if somebody had 50 cents that they wanted to lose. <laughs> they wanted to get they wanted to get that 50 cents slapped out of them. There is so much wisdom in that. And everybody that's listening, I hope you're getting it. And, and this that's why this man is on, my, on this show. And that is why this man has been my friend and he's helped so many people throughout life as well. Those those that criteria that you're saying right there and a couple things you said in the very beginning that the two fears of human beings are not being good enough and not being loved that's just fear of rejection and what happened to you and what happens to a lot of people and i'm going to step out on a limb and say this because this that i i can i have a similar story and a lot of people have a similar story that we were different different than the norm, different than the the people that were around, even though those people were maybe not doing well. And even though those people weren't the best of the best, and even though we knew that those people weren't the best of the best, that fear of rejection is the number one fear that people have. And so people will do anything to be in a gang, to be in, you know, some, just to be around those people. But one of two things happens when we are rejected. We either retreat and do something stupid, drugs and alcohol or so on and so forth, and try our best to, conti to continue to be in and to be accepted by those folks. Or we say, screw it, and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to get out of there because there is something better, and you chose the latter. Now, one of the things that I know, and you and I talked about this before, you know, I came from military background. One of the reasons I would, one of the reasons why I was ousted, outcast and rejected by the norm was because as a black young man in the hood, if you will, I spoke differently. I have, I had, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> look, you're shaking your head. Yes. And you do as well. I spoke differently than, than my friends who were around. And I was teased about that. I was told, you know, you talk white, you know, you're a white boy and everything. Right. Even I'm saying, you know, look at, look at, you know, how can that possibly be? I'm darker than you, but <laughs> you know, kids are cruel and they, and uh, you know, oftentimes, and they'll do that. And that choice and you put it back on your saying with your mom, I will say the same thing with my parents. We didn't have anything. We didn't have much at all. And what they did teach us was virtues and those virtues of wrong and right. And as you said, you know, you made the difference. And I know you're intellectualizing it now. But as a child, we didn't have those words. We didn't say, you know, resilience and things like that. We just knew that, that you wanted to, you knew you wanted to eat and you knew a, a way to do that. And you knew that you wanted to have some different clothes and you found a way to do that. You looked ahead of that, which is Absolutely. where again, and we'll talk a little bit about it when we come back from the break. And now, uh, you know, my personal belief is, is that we're on a dangerous path. I was watching with my son the other day. I saw it first and then I brought it to his attention. And if you get a chance, go on YouTube and look up. Oh, gosh, what is it? Oh, and, and there's several of them. This one is she can't name any of the 50 states. Oh, no, it says Gen Z can't name any of the 50 states. Wow. And it's this young man that is going around with uh, his iPhone and a microphone, and he's asking people on the street. Now, granted, 
they have edited out the people that could answer these questions. Um, but there's so many that couldn't answer one state, uh, you know, in the United States. He would ask things like, how many stars are there on the on the American flag? And they didn't know. He would ask things like, you know, what is the uh, uh, what state is uh, or sorry, what country is Hawaii in? He would ask all of these questions that we would that people should know. Ask who is the president now? All these things. And you've seen that the man on the street. But these are these are, are, are young people who should know these answers. But the interesting thing was, is he turned right around and say, name all the Kardashian sisters. You know, wow. and they would go through and they could name them. They could name them without hesitation. Wow. And wow. The, the challenge is, is those types of people uh, nowadays don't have. A, and I hate to sound like the, the wise old sage, uh, but they don't have what we they, they have it. They have access to it, but are encouraged so much to look away from that because you can be accepted by just scrolling on your phone. And that acceptance uh, to me makes it so that people do not do what you did and go, well, wait a minute, let me get a, let me let me get out of this situation that I'm in. It is so much easier to fit in now, or at least in our minds to fit in now because our, our minds get get saturated and, and constantly being occupied. We're going to take a break here in a moment, but I love what you're saying. And I want to hear more about the book Out of the Tunnel. We'll be right back after this break. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. Well, welcome back to the Further Faster podcast. My guest today is Marvin Peak, the amazing Marvin Peak, and he's been sharing with us a little bit about his story, about what his beliefs uh, in overcoming some adversities. And he's got a brand new book out. As a matter of fact, so new you can pre-order it right now, called Out of the Tunnel. And I want to move into that and share with us a little bit. First off, Marvin, why did you write the book in the first place? And then, and then tell us a little bit about the book, what it's about, and how it can help people. Sure. I, you know, Joseph, I never intended to write this book. I was never going to tell these stories. In fact, before my mom made a transition, I said, well, mom, I wrote a book. And she says, that's nice. I said, well, I want you to understand. Uh, I wrote a book and I told everything. She said, that's good. I said, listen to me again. I told everything. <laughs> and she says, OK. I said, OK, if she's OK. Then I'm not going to spare anyone else. But I was doing an event. Uh, in Times Square, and uh, it, it was a One World event, and Ananda Giri, he'd asked me if I could come up and say a few words. And I didn't want to talk, I wanted to meditate, I wanted to just sit back, I had just it ended a relationship and I was feeling a little bit devastated by it. And so uh, there was a woman who came up to me afterwards and she tapped me on the shoulder and uh, she said, that was really nice. And she handed me a bottle of water. And I said, thank you very much, ma'am. And she comes back again and she taps me on the shoulder and she says, hey, you know, uh, would you go to lunch with me? And I said, no. And I thought she was hitting on me. 
And, <laughs> oh, but thank you very much. So she, she then, she comes back a third time. And I said, wow, man. And so I'm being nice. And you know, you put your smile on and that sort of thing. And she handed me her card. She says, well, if you change your mind, um, let me know. Give me a call. I said, thank you very much. So I put her card in my pocket. We had intermission and there were a bunch of people coming around and they wanted to take selfies and talk and hear more from me. And I reached in my pocket because I was looking for ways to divert the crowd to get away. And I pulled out the woman's card and it said, Practical Intuition, The Circle, Laura Day. And I said, good Lord, I just blew off one of my favorite authors. <laughs> <laughs> that, that lady wasn't hitting on me. She really liked what I had to say. So that's what we get for judging. And so I fought through the crowd because she had a bunch of people around her. And I said, wait a minute, you're Laura Day? She said, yes. She says, uh, will you have lunch with me? I said, of course I will. And she said to me, she says, listen, I know that you play your cards very close to your chest. You don't talk and you've been that way all your life and it's been serving as a measure of protection. She says, but the world is suffering. And the world is going to continue yes. to suffer until you tell your story. And if you don't, I'm going to consider you very selfish. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. So you talk <laughs> about rejected the you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and then, you know, everywhere I would go and I'm doing the testimonials and, you know, the Tony Robbins events and people are always like, do you have a book? Do you have a book? And so finally, I, I, I had another relationship three years later. And that ended in devastation. And in fact, Joseph, let me tell you something, man. I introduced you to her in um, in L.A. And, yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly where. You don't even have to tell me. It was at the premiere of uh, of uh, what was the name of the show? Tony show. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you introduced me to her. Yes. And, and you know, Joseph, I talk about you in the book and, and, and you know, you asked her. Young lady, come over here. And you said, listen here, you see him? You hold on to him and don't you ever let him go. They don't make him like that anymore. I had no idea you were gonna do that. And she had this smile and then she stopped and she had awe in her face because of how much she loves and respects you. And when you said those things about me, her whole attitude shifted. And she got quiet. And I think it put it put reverence in her, but also fear of the fact that this may not just be a regular old guy that I'm dating here. Well, anyway, but I, I, I discussed that and some other things about who I see you um, as a man, as a leader, as a public figure, uh, as a force of good and inspiration on the planet in my book. But, you know, um, I decided at the end of that relationship that I was going to go ahead and get serious about the book. So I began going through my childhood, um, teenage years, military, FBI, and then when I started to go into business. I went into business because I realized that what I was doing, I did not have fulfillment. My mm. childhood taught me that I could not make excuses. So my slogan became eliminating all excuses. Nice. I also understood, again, the resilience, what it's going to take not just to survive, but to succeed. And the other thing was, at this point, 
in my life, I have to do more than just look out for me. How am I going to contribute to the planet? That is where I found my greatest satisfaction, my greatest fulfillment, when I can light other people up with the skills, the abilities, the know-how, the resources that I have. And I utilize that in serving others and helping others and lifting others, and it turned into a freaking empire. Now, <laughs> I had gained so much success, and it seemed like it was overnight. Some people were asking, did I get some kind of inheritance? Did I win the lottery? Had no idea what my story was. And monies were just coming to me from everywhere, this homeless little kid. And now I'm in front of presidents of the United States. I'm invited to the White House. I'm meeting um, religious leaders like um, uh, um, Bishop T.D. Jakes and, and, and uh, gosh, Minister Louis Farrakhan and, and, uh, and Tony Robbins. And then who knows? I didn't know that I was going to get a connection with Tony like that. We were going to hit it off like that. And I had no, definitely didn't have any idea that he would allow me to be on his stage. So things started to take off. Now, when all of this was happening and I'm getting through all of this, the, 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 the wolves came out, the attacks came. Out. Oh yeah. Here they come. Yep. Oh my gosh. Huh? Talk about it, man. And so I had this empire and I'm having people come at me. They're trying to take things from me. They have all kinds of false things coming. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I did not know how to stop it. And I'm seeing everything crumble, going away. Somehow or another, uh, you know, a brother Tony, he said to me, he said, uh, you know, when I first met you, I knew you would be king. The problem was you thought you were already king. <laughs> he, he said, but you were really a late prince with the king's lifestyle. You had no effing idea what was waiting on you. I know the turmoil you're in. It, it was like prophecy. He said, it's the closest thing to death. Most men won't get to where you are and those that do, they'll die before they bear Before the they get, right, absolutely. And, and, and he, said, he said, but you're not alone and I'm not gonna let you die until you bear your crown. And it freaked me out, Joseph, because I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? Where am I? How do I get out? Who's going to die? And someone said to me, they mentioned Alison Armstrong, and I began to study. And I said, oh, I'm in this experience called the tunnel. Mm. And because mm. I could not control the external things that were happening, I had to go within. And when I went within, I started doing the little things that I could succeed at, like making my bed, like counting my blessings, being grateful for every little thing. I created a little program. I created a commercial where I would get feed my mind every day of things that made me feel good. There was nothing else that could make me feel good but me. People that I had done so much for, they left, they quit, they connived, they betrayed, they walked away. Humans. But now I'm back to where I was, where I was in the beginning. Now I have to rely on me. How can I bring goodness to my own life? So I started to cherish everything from a smile to a handshake to a compliment. And I looked at it as currency. I looked at it as something promising, something valuable. I looked at it as abundance and prosperity. Everything became prosperity to me. And then I began to transmute those experiences until externally the universe, source, God, or whatever you want to call this omnipotent force started to bring the physical equivalent of what I was feeling. 
And I said, oh, hell, I'm on to something now. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably powerful. Well, you know what, Marvin, I, I could talk to you all day long. And uh, a couple things. First off, and I, I'm sure everybody, you feel this man's passion and you understand why he's been in my life for as long as he has. And he has so much to share. And one of the greatest things as a philanthropist and as an entrepreneur, then I call you a megapreneur. And that is somebody that is going to make sure that you get, you're not only going to operate the upper, at the upper uh, echelons of entrepreneurs, but you're going to make sure that others do as well. Share with us a little bit, how, A, how they can pre-order your book and how they can find you, because I want everybody to glean from the wisdom and the passion of this man. I really appreciate it. They can go to marvinpeak.com. By the way, that's, yeah, you'll see it if you're, if you're, if you're listening to us, uh, I, you'll see it across the, you'll see it scroll across the stage here. You might want to spell it P-E-A-K, but it's with an E, Marvin Peak with an E. There it is there, P-E-A-K-E, Marvin Peak, yeah, P-E-A-K-E dot com. And uh, is that where they can find the book as well? They Yes, they can go and what they can do is, is sign up. We have a VIP program. We have some other goodies that we're giving away. We have the opening excerpt of the book. Also, um, we're going to do some giveaways. I have an online, a virtual course called the Ultimate Empowerment Program, an excellent nice. guide to manifesting. So where people talk about the law of attraction and they give you, you know, all the bells and whistles of what you can have. I hadn't seen before where they give you the practical application. So of what I'm you can. Utilizing my Perfect. life, my story, and what I did to go from homeless to rich to broke to total success, unending fulfillment where I am right now in this day. Well, fabulous. Marvin, thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. And everybody, go to MarvinPeak.com. Get the book and don't just read the book. Get the book and do what the book says, because that's what's so great about it. It comes with process, as uh, Joe Frazier always said, and that is between the promise and the payoff, there's always process. And so there's process here. And part of that process is reading. There's not one person I've ever had on the show, self-included, that does not say that I got my start by listening and reading from somebody. And here's such a perfect example. Marvin, thank you so much for being on the show. And for everybody, remember, life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune always favors the bold. So as my dear friend Marvin says, boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. This is Further Faster. I love you. And I'll see you at the top. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.